This is episode 180 of the Swallow Your Pride podcast, and today's guest is John Hollihan. He's the president and founder of Simply Thick LLC and an inaugural member of the IDSI Hall of Appreciation. He is also a member of the Canadian IDSI Reference Group, CIRG, and a founder of the U.S. and Territories IDSI Reference Group, USTIRG. Mr. Hallahan is also the inventor of the company's original patented thickener, Simply Thick. He has worked with thickeners and not just in healthcare, but for his entire business career. Over the careers, Mr. Hallahan has presented to various long-term care trade organizations on the topics of IDSI, dysphagia, thickeners, and rheology. This includes training and presenting IDSI to over 3,000 people. Over or outside of the business world, Mr. Hallahan has been married for over 25 years to his college sweetheart. They have three wonderful kids and a dog, just for fun, because they didn't think they had enough to do. The Hallahans have hosted exchange students from Brazil and Spain. Obviously, John can usually be found either driving to or from his kids' events or cheerleading on the sideline. His volunteer work includes being a Boy Scout leader, a robotics coach, a rescue dog foster parent, and church leader. And somehow in the middle of it all, he still finds time to run slowly and play the piano badly. Oh, I love that, John. Thank you so much. So when I first started using social media and the internet for contact with the world of the medical speech language pathologist, I noticed that while there was a lot of potential there, there were also a lot of problems. Like whose information do you trust? Who is an expert? Is what being posted online really evidence-based practice? By answering those questions for myself, I found the answer for some others. That answer has become the Medical SLP Collective. As we all learned last year with COVID, sometimes there is no roadmap or journal article for a specific case or scenario. Using clinical expertise from a variety of settings combined with research and experience, we've cultivated a supportive community that provides education and mentorship to help you get the best results for your patients. Join us May 17th through May 21st for our third Medical SLP Summit. Join us to hear cutting edge information from 20 of our mentors that help to educate our members daily. The summit serves as the grand opening for the Medical SLP Collective open enrollment period, which will begin during the summit. You can sign up for the Medical SLP Summit completely free at www.medslpcollective.com forward slash summit. That's www.medslp c-o-l-l-e-c-t-i-v-e.com forward slash s-u-m-m-i-t and we look forward to seeing you there if you don't need any further convincing and would like to sign up now for the MedSLP collective or just check out a little bit more about what it is all about you can go directly to www.medslpcollective.com forward slash video series that's medslpcollective.com forward slash video series Welcome to the Swallow Your Pride podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Richard. I'm a board-certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders, a mobile fees business owner, and founder of the MedSLP Collective. This podcast is all about delivering the latest evidence-based practice to medical SLPs everywhere. Whether you're a new clinician seeking tangible tools for treatment or a seasoned vet stuck in a rut, my goal is to help ditch the old school ways of the past that no longer serve you or your patients, to reinvigorate your passion for our field, to broaden your knowledge about our scope of practice, and to inspire you to practice at the top of your license. 
So if you're listening, I encourage you to swallow your pride, be open and willing to learn, because let's face it, your patients deserve that kind of care. With that, let's dive right in. Just a quick disclaimer that all statements and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect on the organizations associated with the speakers and are their own opinions solely. Hello, John. Hey, Teresa. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, very well. Very well. Everything's been going just really well for us. Good, good. Thank you for joining me again. You are a repeat offender for the Swallow Your Pride podcast, but I'm so excited to have you back. And I know we've got lots of new and exciting things to catch up on. I'm, I'm totally excited that you're having me back and very grateful. So it's, it's good to see you and it's good to be back and talk to your audience. Yeah, you as well. Yeah. All right. So tell the people a little bit about who you are. Uh, I'm John Hollihan. I'm the founder of Simply Thick. I was the inventor of our original formulation, which we used from 2000 to 2018. And I don't know, that's that's probably the, the biggest things about me. Um, I guess most recently, kind of a little new thing is that last week when the ITSY e-bite came out, they they surprised me and, and named me to the inaugural ITSY Hall of Appreciation for the work I've done with ITSY. So... That's kind of the, the newest little exciting thing that happened to me. I have a wife, a couple kids, a couple dogs. Hopefully the door is bar, is barricaded shut well enough so they're not going to come in and disrupt us. But <laughs> that's life these days. Yeah, awesome. Way back in 2018, if you can believe it, three years ago, we actually were the, the first product that really came out with prominent ITSY labeling. And uh, we've been doing what's known as dual labeling ever since then. And I can even back up and say, I remember it was November 13th. It was Friday, November 13th in Denver. The first time I heard Peter Lamb give a presentation about ITSY. And I just fell in love with it because of its simplicity, the practicality of it. Because as somebody who who knows a lot about thickness and viscosity and rheology and how to measure it, I understood completely how difficult it is to have a caregiver be able to do that. And what always impressed me about ITSY is how simple and practical it is for the end user, whether it's you or it's me or it's my mom or my dad or somebody at a nursing home or a hospital. And right after that, I told Peter, I was like, uh, tell me what you need. We're, we're on board. We will help you. And so it took a couple of years, but that's when we got to the dual labeling. And even at the time, I was a little nervous that we were a little ahead of the game. And... I guess we were just sort of at the, at the forefront. So since that time, you know, I think I came on your podcast right around the same time and, and we talked about ITSY and what was going on with that. And then I think I gave a webinar for your Med SLP Collective and then things just kind of stewed for a while. <laughs> and as of last year, since we were stuck at home, we started doing monthly webinars. And kind of what's, what surprised me about that is how how people don't know about ITSY yet. And it's really coming and it's really going to be something that's, that's going to be a big part of our lives because as the years have progressed, the A&D and, and ASHA, A&D is the equivalent of ASHA for dietitians, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. And, you know, they announced their support in January of 2017. And even in, in December of 2018, the A&D talked about how they supported a May 1st, 2019 implementation, start of implementation in the U.S. for ITSY. 
And I think most people would be surprised to know that we've been in implementation for two years now. <laughs> and so back in December, when they released their latest version of the nutrition care manual, they decided that they were going to drop support for the national dysphagia diet. And that's causing a lot of people to suddenly say, oh my goodness, what's going on? How did this happen so suddenly? And really, when you look back at the history, it's not very sudden. But if you weren't paying attention, it may seem very surprising to you that it's come up. I, I think I think it's so crazy. I, it's so crazy to still hear people say, like, what is ITSY? Or what thickener level are we supposed to use? Or, you know, this is, you know, the jargon that I'm still using. I just think it's crazy that some people are still not not aware of this yet. And, you know, obviously, it's why I love doing the podcast, because I have a platform to get the information out to people for whatever reason they don't know about it. So these um, these monthly webinars, we've started asking people where they are in its implementation. And it's just it's surprising how many people haven't even really started or how little they know. And when you've been talking about something for literally four or five years, I feel like a broken record when I keep repeating the same message over and over again, but it is about educating and getting the word out to people that it's is coming. And even though it seems scary, it's really not that scary. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the webinar that you did for the collective was one of our most popular ones ever. People are still watching it a lot. And there was a question in the collective yesterday from a girl and she said, you know, I, I, the dietitian at, at work told me that we have to start implementing ITZY like tomorrow. How do I learn about it? Where did you guys hear about this? And I was like, oh, I'm like, we have a great webinar, you know, by John, all about it. See, have you watched it? She's like, no, I didn't even know that existed. And I'm like, ah, like, and so we're still getting it out there, John. So thank you for your help. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and so it's just been this ongoing thing nationally. And there's a lot of, I guess, chaos, chaos isn't the right word, but a lot of people that are very nervous about what's going to happen. Why do you think people are nervous? Do you think it's just fear of the unknown of learning a new system, although the system is very research-based to be much easier? They, I think that the concern is that it just changes everything. I mean, everything in the entire facility has to change from labeling to the language you use to what's in the computer systems. It, it touches all these different departments. And so people are, are quite worried about how it's going to go and what they're going to talk about and, and how they're going to implement it. And literally, you have to go through your entire menu and decide, does this meet the current standards? If not, what do we need to do to change it? And how are we going to do it? Now, fortunately, and, and people may not be quite aware of this, but the people who write, it, it's the dietary manual, which is part of the nutrition care manual, but the dietary manual, they knew about ITSI. And so they've built into the structure and the writing of the dietary manual at the AMD, all the stuff for ITSI. It's there. So it's not like you're starting from scratch. And so there's that support um, that's already built into the system. In addition, if you haven't read it, if you don't know what it is, um, it can seem overwhelming. But it's really, it's just three or four documents. It's only 50, 60 pages. You could sit down at Starbucks this afternoon read through all those pages. And I can guarantee everybody who's a speech therapist or a dietitian has had more than enough education to understand the diet and to see how it's going to work. And, you know, when I did the webinar for you, that was the first time I ever did a hands-on type of thing. We tried that. And I still do that because that is the most popular part of our webinars today. 
And it's the part that everybody says, we need you to do more. We need that to be longer. And so we feel like we need to present this content. And what people want us to do is to say, you know, here's a chicken breast. Let's put it in a food processor, pulse it a few times, and now it's minced and moist. And, oh, if it's too dry, what do you do? What we found is you had some extremely thick stock. And then it'll moisten it up, and then you don't have loose liquid that's going to drip out of it. Oh, well, how do you test that? Well, it sounds difficult, but it's just a fork. You pick it up, you look at it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you want to process it to puree here? We'll run it for 30 seconds. Yeah. And it, I think what a lot of people don't realize is that there there really was so many years of research and so many brilliant researchers involved in this. It wasn't just like one day people decided to pick up a fork and do this subjective, you know, visual test. And, and I, I think, you know, when I start talking about that with people, they're like, oh, I had no idea, you know, that researcher was involved or that person was involved or I, I never had heard of that paper before. And it's just shocking to me that we, that that isn't talked about, you know, more often. So. I, I think the real brilliance comes down, like you said, is that those very brilliant researchers realized you're never going to get laboratory grade equipment in a facility. So they, they set aside perfect for what's good enough. Meaning, how do you test something to see if it's too sticky? Well, I mean, it sounds silly, but they take a spoon and it's a gentle wrist flick. Don't use your elbow, don't use your arm, but it's a gentle flick. Now, what's a gentle flick? I get it. There's some subjectivity there, but as long as your facility decides what a gentle flick is, it, you're going to be pretty close. And, and so if it's, it's too sticky, if you can't get it off the spoon, that's a pretty easy test, a pretty thing, easy thing to understand. Is it a perfect test of stickiness? No, it's not perfect. When you do the flow test, I have had rheologists or people who understand rheology yelling at me and telling me that it's just, it's not a good, and I'm, what else are you going to do? I mean, we've used gravimetric tests throughout time and history in lots of industries, and it isn't we all know it's not a perfect test and we all know that it's not something that you can compare in scientific papers and you can't say, Oh, it was 4.1 versus 4.2. That's a big difference. It's getting you in the ballpark and it's telling you, yes, this is the general area where you need to be. And I think the, the most important part is the generalization to our patients and our patients' families, because I think we lose people right away when we start talking all this really fancy medical scientific jargon. So I think that's been the beauty of this too, is that it is something that that our patients, that our patients' families can actually carry over at home. And it gives them some comfort knowing that they are doing it the quote unquote right way or the safe way for their loved ones. So. Part of what we've done this last year, to your point, is I have had salespeople sitting at home with nothing to do. Yeah. So I challenged them. I said, you know, you guys have talked about using Simply Thickened recipes for a long time. Let's do it. You know, write some recipes, do this, do that. And they've taken it. And we decided to do was to write a cookbook targeted to the home user. And believe it or not, on Amazon, they sell, I don't know, like a thousand cookbooks a, a month to people about dysphagia diets. And I thought, well, let's write one that's compliant with ITSI and shows people how to use it. And so we're in the final stages of editing that. And the whole idea is that I wanted something that my dad could take home and make food for my mom. And what it's the hard thing for people to understand, I guess, sometimes is that what Itsy really did is they described how the food should behave. They didn't want to limit you to what foods you can use. 
other than bread, which they said no to. But and, and what they wanted to do was to say, like, here's my special Christmas meal I only eat once a year. How do you take that and process it so that somebody with dysphagia or with a level of swallowing difficulty that they can get it at minced and moist or they can get it at puree? How are we going to process that? How are we going to make it so that they can have it? And they give you the tools and the techniques to test it and to process it. And so what we've done is we've taken that and said, hey, we're going to teach you a process for processing the food. And to be honest, the, the recipes are kind of boring because it's the same process over and over. But I felt like that was the type of handholding people needed. And we needed to say, well, here's the ones we've tried and we failed. Here's the ones that work. And these are the examples. And this is how you use the process. And this is how you test it. And every recipe has, this is how you test it. It isn't like, here's the testing section. So you have to remember to go back and test it. That's part of the steps. Yeah. When you think you're done, take out your fork, check the particle size, check to see if there's any loose liquid, see if it's too sticky. And, and that's the idea because it really puts the hands and the power of somebody at home, whether that, you know, that's a care home or that's somebody at home at home. And that's really what we were thinking about the whole time is how do you get something so that you know, these special meals or, you know, I like my hamburger prepared a certain way, or I like my lasagna made the way my wife makes it. How do you take those and process them? And that, that's the beauty of it. But kind of, I think part of the scary thing sometimes is that there's no official ITSY training and there's no official ITSY certification. We live in a country that's driven by certifications and letters and qualifications and things like that. And, and I understand that. But what ITSY has done is, well, with their staffing being just volunteers, they really could not do that. And you can't really certify something for around the globe. So this is actually something you have to pick up and teach yourself. And we can all argue about, about it, or we can debate what it means. But at the end of the day, you go back and look at the documents. And if you don't want to look at the documents, download them on your phone. <laughs> yes. Open up their app. I think that's one thing that, yeah, that ITSY has done beautifully is, you know, people ask all the time, how do I learn about ITSY? And it's like, literally go to their website. Um, you know, I, I know it's, it kind of sounds like a broken record, but they really are beautifully written and really detailed and easy to understand. I guess my, you know, my question is, so A&D decided to drop support of the National Dysphagia Diet. Is, is Asher going to do something like that or... You know, because I feel like this has to be something that Asha doesn't, not enforce isn't the right word, but but they've got to do some more promotion on their end as well to get everybody on board with this. So Asha never endorsed the National Dysphagia Diet. Got it. So they don't have to... Unendorse it. <laughs> unendorse it. Okay. <laughs> That's my understanding of the situation. Oh, I think they said they support things, right? Isn't that the right terminology? Yeah. They said they support, okay. And, and they support ITSE. Yes. Um, and they are allowing... Okay, so what's happened in the U.S. is that we formed something called the U.S. and Territories ITSE Reference Group. It's a mouthful, U-S-T-I-R-G. And uh, people from ASHA were involved in the formation of that. People at A&D, people at AFNP, which is the uh, equivalent for food service managers. They were all on there, and they've all allowed this USTIRG to use their communication channels. So they're not, say, giving an email list to ITSE. They're, ITSE will produce something or this USTIRG will produce something and hand it to ASHA. And then ASHA will use their channels to communicate it. Gotcha. 
So through that, that's how we recruited volunteers to work on these reference groups. And so I think we had like 250 people apply and we've had like 170 people working on six different committees. And so there's a lot of information that's going on and a lot of work that's going on in the background. And I mean, some of the people who came on board are just, they're, they're really amazing and all the effort they're putting in to help promote ITSI across the US. So they've got these six different work groups. There's a research and data, which is out cataloging what articles are out there. They found 375 articles, if you can believe it, that mention ITSI. They either mention it, they utilize it, or they directly study it. Implementation and advocacy is gonna be releasing a, a survey. They're calling it an environmental scan to better understand the state of ITSI implementation across the nation. That's gonna come out in, in May. So like I said, ASHA will be sending this out to their mailing list in the beginning of May. And during the month of May, we'll collect data. Then we'll analyze it and have information available for people what's going on there. And they're also, they're trying to answer the question of why ITSE with supporting documents and material collateral that you can use in your facilities. Utilization and guidance team is focused on best practices and is currently establishing the type of guidance that USTRG will provide on how to use ITSE language within facilities. Education and training is working on, you know, short presentations that you can provide within your facility rather than call it the high level half hour trainings. These are going to be the 5, 10, 15 minute in services that you can do with your staff. And they're also, <laughs> they're working on making sure the brand standards are across all the edu education materials are consistent. We have a resource and collection, uh, resource collection and development group that are instituting support tools to facilitate its rollout for skilled nursing environments. And then communication team has taken over. They're doing a great job. If you get on the ITSE newsletter, there are e-bytes. You'll see what's going on in the U.S. They also are utilizing LinkedIn and Instagram using the ITSE handle. So you can see what, they're, what they have going on. I didn't know that. I'll have to check them out. And, and this is going to happen before this episode airs, but they're, they're also hosting a town hall where people can uh, just ask questions of, uh, the people who are on top of the, who are leading the different teams and the people who formed it. So there's a lot going on when we put this together. There's no way I thought at this point that they would have done so much already because really it was only a month or two ago that everybody came together and we started working on it. But that's the type of energy that's out there. There are lots of people who've implemented and they're willing to share. And that's part of the beauty of it is we're trying to pull all this information together and provide it. And just a quick word from one of our wonderful sponsors, PatCon Medical. Are you trying to start a fees program at your facility or are you thinking about going out on your own with bulk fees? Here are the two simple steps you should take right away. Number one, listen to episode 164 of the Swallow Your Pride podcast, where I speak with Christoph from PatCon Medical about purchasing fees equipment. Step two, get in touch with PatCom as they will assist you based on your individual needs. You can reach them at info at patcommedical.com. That's info at P-A-T-C-O-M-M-E-D-I-C-A-L.com or go to patcommedical.com for more information. Now back to the episode. And you mentioned the ITSE website. One of the big things in the last few months is ITSE redesigned their website. And the biggest thing they did is they made it entirely keyword or entirely searchable. So if you go up to the upper corner and you click on the search button 
and you search, now it searches everything. So that has dramatically reduced the number of emails they're getting because you're able to find the information in real time. So cool. that, that's the type of energy that we have going on around the country. And it's been very exciting to watch and to see these wonderful people step up and put so much energy and attention into it. It's pretty cool. That's great. Who, who is all part of these committees, John? Is it you know, mostly SLPs, other industry leaders? It is a lot of SLPs, a lot of dietitians. It sort of depends on the committee. Some of them would be would, our names, the people would probably recognize right away. Some of them are completely new to me. Everybody's extremely talented. Everybody's just so energetic and they have such a understanding of what, what it's is trying to do. And when you go back to, I always call it their prime objective, you know, safety through common terminology across all ages, across all care settings and across, I think it's all cultures, it, you know, that's what it's about. And so, it, it's it's not it, the people who are doing the work here are definitely a lot of people who just really want to do work and really help promote it. It's not people who are looking to have it as a resume builder, and that's why it's moving so fast. It's been very exciting. I think Peter Lamb says it's like we gave birth to six babies. Awesome! They're all running yeah. around, <laughs> and it's so exciting to see. Yeah, I I go on a lot of these committee meetings now, and I just I'm quiet because I don't have anything to contribute. The leaders have taken the leadership role. They're running the meetings. The group has decided what they're going to do. They're they're moving ahead. It, it's tremendous to see. Awesome, awesome. I, I think you know now we can kind of look at silver linings of the pandemic, if you will. And I feel like this is kind of one of them. So people just got so it, you know just turned people into depression, really, for the most part. And people just had to find what they were passionate about. And you know, I think a lot of beautiful organizations, committees, things like that have been, have, have really been birthed during the pandemic from people that just had commonalities and had no other way to, you know, get to know other people other than, you know, meeting people on the internet. And, and I think it's just done some beautiful work as far as, you know, and, and obviously what it's done here. So I think we're going to see a lot of really cool things in our field come out this year is because of it. So one, one of the things is, you know, a year ago, Zoom was a foreign concept to many people. And to be honest, the success of the USTRG is driven partly because everybody's so comfortable with Zoom. We all know how to use Zoom. We all don't mind hopping on Zoom because in the old old days, <laughs> being a year ago, right? Been, okay, well, when are we going to schedule a meeting? Where are we going to schedule it? And how are we all going to get there? <laughs> and And now it's just, you know, here, we'll send out a doodle poll. Everybody tell, tell us when you're available and we'll schedule the next meeting and we'll send you the Zoom link and it'll be recorded. And if you missed the meeting, that's fine. Just watch the recording. Yep. 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 It is. It's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan, obviously. It's how I run most of my business. So. <laughs> right. Right. And I, I don't think a year ago I would have thought, oh, I'm going to be on Zoom meetings all day long. I'll be meeting all these new people and we'll be putting forth all this energy. You know, we share everything on Google Drive, and we all use, you know, Google Documents, all that kind of stuff to just, it just, it speeds up the process so much and just keeps that energy going. I mean, I've been a part of things where you get all excited at the meeting and you get on the plane and you fly home and you get home and by the next day you've forgotten all about it. And we're just not seeing that at all. This has been very exciting 
maybe part of it is because of the decision of A&D to announce they were dropping the support for the National Dysphagia Diet. It's added that extra energy, but the tools everybody's comfortable with, and it's just the energy and the excitement's going on. So I expect we're going to hear a lot from the USTIRG over the next few months. And and obviously, if people are interested in, in being a part of this, um, we certainly are taking people. And you just send an email to USA at itsy.org and that gets to the general mailbox and then there's a couple things you need to do and then you can volunteer to be on one of the committees and awesome. we try to make it as simple as possible. Yeah, I think one thing that I've just loved about this is I think it's just a beautiful example of, of like interprofessional collaboration. I just think it's been so neat to watch the researchers and the clinicians and you know, industry leaders such as yourself and dietitians all come together really for one big cause. And I, I think that's just been really cool because I think there's a lot of things in our field that we can't do alone. You know, SLPs, you know, clinicians can't, can't do it alone. I mean, you know, we're swamped and we need help from others. And, and I think this is just a perfect example of what can happen when a lot of really smart, purpose-driven people get together and, and, decide on something. So I think it's been really cool to watch it unfold. And it, it's good for everybody to see like how the dietitian is getting ready for what the speech therapist is going to do. And, and then the dietary manager is thinking about, okay, now how am I going to implement all of this? And, and we've got all of them in the same room talking about it and what resources are there. And, you know, it's not just ASHA that's sending out these emails. It's the AND and the um, AFNP. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I, I think that's ANFP. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, and I think that's a huge, you know, point of contention for a lot of SLPs that I, hopefully this will alleviate, but a lot of it, the time it's, you know, the dietary care manager said, we're not ordering this anymore. Or the dietitian said, we have to only do this, or we can't provide this anymore. And I think, you know, one big thing that I love about doing the podcast is I get people from all different professions and we kind of get to hear their side you know, and get to hear why they do the things that they do. And it's not because they hate the SLP. It's not because they hate speech. It's because they have certain things that they have to do too. So um, I think it's just a really good way to understand why other professions do the things that they do so that we can all get on the same page for the benefit of the patients. And, and I, I think one of the, the real benefits of ITSI, and, and I talked about it in the context of making sure my dad could make something for my mom, but it, it's also, I would think from a speech therapist standpoint, is that it's going to give you the confidence that you're using language and you're using tools that when you communicate what you want for that patient, that the dietary manager and the cooks and even the person who's serving the patient, the food, that they all are in agreement about what those terms mean and you all have the tools to test it. I was going to say, it's just not hard to take a spoon and see if it's too sticky. It's that simple. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, my own son has has issues with, with chewing and different textures and things like that. And I just think, you know, the, the people that help us with, you know, preparing his meals and things like that, this is something that they very easily can replicate without me having to, you know, super overcomplicate it. You know, it's, it's something I can, you know, my mom helps us a lot. I can teach her how to do this and things like that. And I think on the flip side, one thing that was such an eye opener to me, and I don't remember who said this, but... Somebody had mentioned that that a lot of the people that worked in the kitchen at their skilled nursing facility were illiterate. 
and they weren't able to read the directions on the different consistencies or the different thickeners and things, but using just understanding the different INSEE concepts and using the different symbols that INSEE has come up with, they've been able to implement this as well. And I thought that was just beautiful to be able to get this information more accessible for everybody. Well, that is a brilliant point. And I can see where it's so true because like the ITSY flow card, which just shows the different test levels, having that printed on the wall or having something like that, there's three ways of identifying each level. You know, there's words, there's colors, and there's numbers. So even if they don't know numbers or they don't know words, they can at least match the color and then just knowing what the tests are, which are real simple. Again, they're, they have nice iconography. Is that the right word? They have yeah. nice symbols yeah. for- Sounds good, yeah for showing you exactly how it's supposed to look and how it's supposed to behave. And that's, that's part of the key. And then it helps because you can really tell them, look, this is what the speech therapist has evaluated the patient for. Now we have common language. We all agree on it and we're all going to do the same thing. And then it's going to help speech therapy because you're not going to have to do as many reevaluations because now when people come into your facility from that hospital, you don't have to translate what the diet order from the hospital is into what is it in your facility or the facility down the road when they transfer over? Now you can spend time on more valuable activities than just, you know, translating diet orders or reassessing. And that that's part of the advantage. That's been, that's huge. I think just, just so huge as someone who worked at a sniff and was constantly trying to figure out what the heck hospital was feeding them compared to what the patient said they were being fed compared to what the family said they were actually being fed and, yeah, I think that's what I spent half my morning doing was just trying to figure out what exactly the patient was getting. <laughs> exactly. So, and so, yeah. you know, and you compare that to 500 milligrams of acetaminophen. Everybody knows what that is. It's the same around the world. So let's, that's part of what ITSI's trying to do. And again, it's, it's those brilliant researchers taking all the evidence, putting it together, and then presenting it to everybody in a way with practical tools so that we can do it. And, and that's been, that's the amazing game changer. Well, I think it's just perfect. So, so one of the other things that this is <laughs> the big risk we took this year is we actually released slightly thick packets and, and, you know, there really isn't a market for slightly thick at this point, but to be true to our commitment to ITSY, I felt like we had to do it. And the reason we have to do it is if you go look in the evidence, you will see that as you increase your thickness, there's a greater percentage of people with safe swallows, which means there's a number of people when you get to mildly thick that could have used something thinner. Why, why do you think there's not a market for them? There's not one because it's, I, I should say there's no existing market. So it's kind of this problem. There's not a product because there's nobody that's assigning it or very few people. Yeah. You got to put the cart before the horse, I guess, for this one. Skepticism internally, but I just said, you know, we're committed to this and it's never great to rely on one data point, but that's what I did. A speech therapist in the South of England told me that at the time, since they'd implemented ITSY, that slightly thick was now the thickness she was uh, prescribing the most often. I, I believe, I mean, just completely anecdotally, I have no data to support this whatsoever, but um, of, <laughs> of all the thousands of fees that I did, that always was it, you know, it's like, I don't know that you need this thick of a, you know, consistency. So I, I think it's wonderful. So that, that was our big, our big thing uh, earlier this year, getting that uh, 
released and launched and and now just letting people know that it's available I, you know we see some energy and some interest in it. it it'll take some time and and i knew that going in so we'll probably have some product that we end up having to to um i guess we'll probably end up giving it away to the what is it the the dysphagia outreach project dysphagia outreach project yes, yeah we'll yes, probably yes. end up giving them some of it good have you given samples of the slightly thick out to slps yes yes they're um i i think there's a page that'll be up for at our website www.simplythick.com forward slash syp where speech therapists can order um some slightly thick stuff and we'll send them a, a kit of that and then just like we have with our mildly thick and moderately thick we have some starter kits ready for those so that you can hand those to patients give them a couple day supply i think it has like 15 packets in it which you give them time to order it and find it at home cool cool so how, how does the this is a kind of really specific question, John, but talk me through. So is like one packet of slightly thick, then two packets make mildly thick, three packets make moderately thicker. Is, is there, there, is there a system like that? It, I, I wish there was there. Okay. Viscosity, it, viscosity is the word I use for thickness. Thickness is logarithmically related to concentration. So it's a curve that, that has a, one of those steep inclines. So the math didn't work perfectly. So you could use one of our mildly thick packets with six ounces of fluid, but that's not a standard serving size. So one slightly thick packet is four grams and a mildly thick packet is six grams and a moderately thick is 12 grams. So the math works between mildly thick and moderately thick, but not not, not at mildly thick. And, and that's just because it's at such a low concentration or slightly thick, not slightly thick. That's because it's at such a low concentration that the, you know, the polymer just needs a, a few, the way it thickens is interaction between the, the various molecules. So they just, the concentration is just not high enough. So to make, um, make sure I, it's there most of, for almost all the liquids, you got to get to four grams rather than three. Interesting. I, out of college, I was hired by the world's largest Santhinga manufacturer and became an expert in a number of thickeners whether it's Santhin gum or some things called sodium alginate or other industrial gums that nobody's ever heard of but me. And so I have that deep knowledge in the basic chemistry of it. And, you know, the weird thing is I was trained as a paper engineer, but I'm an expert in thickeners from that training and the eight or 10 years I spent learning that, supporting that, interacting with R&D. And I love that. Yeah. And just when I lost my job, when I lost that job, I was working on my MBA and had heard about dysphagia and had heard about the need for thickeners that tasted better and looked better and were more palatable. And so I pitched it to my, my business school team as, hey, here's something we could do. And, you know, take your pick. I was the only guy without a job. So I do all the homework or I had props and it was a school project. I mean, we didn't know if it would really work. Yeah. But that was my entrepreneurship class project. And I love that. <laughs> I had this professor who didn't, who didn't understand the difference between school and the real world. He actually made me go to the local hospital and to the local nursing home and talk to people and show them the product and get their feedback. What a jerk. He was. <laughs> <laughs> How dare he make you assimilate with the real world? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Instead of just pretending that people liked it, I had to go out and actually get real feedback. Cool, cool. And 
you know, so in May of 2001, I graduated, got my MBA, my wife quit her job and her daughter was born. And we decided to turn down the big company job offer and pursue Simply Thick. Awesome. I love so that. yes. that's how I got here and why I know so much about thickeners. Yes. Yeah. So for anyone that thinks we just found John off the street, he does actually know this stuff inside and out. So. Yep, exactly. There, there's one of the things with Itsy is bread. Um, bread, yes. Bread, it, it's a big, gigantic no-no, and a lot of people don't don't know that or understand that either. So. Right. And and the, the very simple test for anybody to test it out themselves is to just tear off a piece of bread, put it in their mouth, and try and eat it without chewing it. Just use your tongue. And usually, when I do the demonstrations, it sticks to the roof of my mouth. Sometimes I have a, a lot of more saliva, and I, I'm able to actually get it to sort of begin to break down. But there's a lot of case reports of choking incidents with people with bread. And so that's, that's the one thing that a lot of people really are trying to figure out around Itsy. I think, did I read that, that bread is like the number one food that, that leads to choking, that leads to death or something like that? Did I make that up? Or I thought I had read something like that in the Itsy material. I would not be surprised if you read something like that. I, I don't recall having read that myself, but it would not surprise me to hear okay. that. So don't mark my words, people, if I said that wrong, but it, it is something to be cautious of. And, and one of the other things my sales reps came up with this summer while sitting at home was a, a way of processing bread and baking it so it makes a very nice pureed bread. And that's something that we actually, we're beta testing it right now. We sent it out to 50 or 60 nursing homes to see if, if it is as good and as easy as we thought. And we've just got the results back on that and it's looking really good. So I think we'll be releasing that. So is Simply Bread the next product? No, actually, it, it, you just take the bread in your facility and you put it in the food processor and a little bit of Simply Thick, some eggs and some butter. So the dietitians tend to like it because it ups the nutrition, it adds protein, and it's a way to get it in there. And it just makes, I think of it, it's like a soft souffle. <laughs> but it tastes a lot like bread and you can put pureed meat on there. That's part of what I do in my webinars now to demonstrate that. So that's something that I think will be forthcoming soon. I think we'll release that probably in the next 30 to 60 days. It, we just need to look at the data a little bit and make sure. Because we want to make sure that it's pretty foolproof. Like we sent it to some of our partners in Australia and there's something different about the bread there. They're like, oh, yeah, this is nice. We can pick it up. <laughs> like, you're not supposed to be able to pick up a puree. <laughs> interesting. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it's, you know, I'm going to compare this to pizza now, you know, because I used to eating pizza in New York and now I live in Florida and the difference is the water. And who knew that the water in New York makes the dough much different than it does in Florida. So must be something about that in Australia. Well, we've been working with uh, the the basic wheat bread that we understand most nursing homes in America are using. And so we developed the recipe around that and... I, I haven't made a failed batch yet, so it must be pretty idiot-proof. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. Is it like a stuffing almost, job? Like I'm trying to uh, no, it, it, figure out... When, what... when you get done mixing it, it's like a really thick cake batter. And then you put huh. it in a mold, and then you just bake it. Yeah. 10 minutes at 350. And it's it, like I said, it's like a soft souffle, but it, it crushes really nicely. It cuts very nice, and it tastes just like bread. Awesome. I'm excited. So that, that's another exciting thing that, that came out. There's no way I could have had 
could have said, hey, we're going to take a couple of salespeople and have them do nothing but cook in their kitchen for three, four, five months. But last year, salespeople were not allowed in facilities. So we let them go and we let them just kind of pursue the things that they were interested in. And so there's a lot of exciting things that came out of it. And we're just, we're right at the edge of being able to show the world some of these things. And, you know, I don't know if, if they'll develop recipes other ways, but this will be something that people can use. And again, that's part of the ITSE implementation is finding out there's resources out there that there's recipes that people already have that um, there's ways of dealing with issues. I, I think I'll, I'll be putting out a blog post in in the next week or two about extremely thick stock. It seemed, it's one of those things that seems so natural to us because we've been making these recipes for a year, but that's kind of, that's the magic to making almost any minced and moist is you take your stock, whether it's chicken, beef, fish, what, whatever, and you thicken it to extremely thick. And now when you blend it into the food, whether you're making a puree or a minced and moist or whatever, it just ties up all the, all the loose liquid and it doesn't drip out. It keeps it minced and moist. It adds the the lubricity makes it a very nice food. Sure. Sometimes if you're doing like a chicken breast, you can do use barbecue sauce, but you can't do that with everything. So that that's sort of what we walk around with in our kitchens. Now is we all have a bottle of extremely thick stock. We add it to stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, And just getting that information out there. So people know that that's something Here's a way to solve your problem. If if you you know they cook the chicken a little too much and now it's dry, what are you going to do? Add some. You can't add thin broth to it. You got to add extremely thick. And now it doesn't drip, and it's now it's minced and moist. Cool. Well, I love it. I can't wait for this cookbook to come out. I'm really excited about it. I am too. I I've got the edits in my inbox yesterday. So after after we get done, that's that's sort of what my next project is today. Yay! All right. All right. Well, let us know if when it's available, John, so we can tell the masses. Absolutely. We'll let you know. All right. Any any final thoughts? Anything else you want to cover? No, no. It's it's just it's always a privilege to talk about Etsy. Um, you know, if you can't tell, I love it. It it's really I think going to transform the industry, and it it really is. I think from a speech therapist standpoint, you got to be thinking, wow, this is great. Now everybody's going to know exactly what I want that patient to be able to eat, and and then the dietitians and the dietary managers are embracing it uh, because they want the same thing. They want to give the patient what's right for them. And now they're going to have the tools to be able to do it. So it's an exciting time and, you know, it's going to seem a little stressful, but you can get there. The tools are out there and there's people that are actively working really hard to produce them for you. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sean. I always appreciate talking with you. Yeah. Good to talk. You as well. Take care. To download the show notes from this episode, please visit swallowyourpridepodcast.com. There you can also sign up for our email so that you'll never miss another episode. If you like what you hear, then please subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, and share it on social media with your friends and colleagues, because that is what keeps these episodes coming. If you'd like to be a guest, share feedback, or request a topic to be discussed on the show, please email podcast at teresarichard.com. Special credit to Danny V. Socrates for her amazing audio and editing skills and to Marissa Hendrickson for managing all the things behind the scenes. As always, thanks so much for listening and see you next week.